Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle. That would make me your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yeah. And uh, we're joined uh, once again this week, helping us close out the week, John Doobie. John, welcome back. Welcome. Oh, it's not welcome. Uh, thank you, guys. Good to be back. <laughs> so what the heck I'm doing right now? No worries. Yeah, welcome back. Um, so, yeah, so we are now talking about minute uh, 61 of the search for Spock. Uh, minute 61 starts with Chekhov saying, for an instant, a scout class vessel. Uh, sorry, Wessel. And Wessel? ends a minute later with Savick saying, this planet will destroy itself in hours. Yeah, that's a pretty specific time period. Hours. She's nailed it down that this place will destroy itself in hours. Now, she's not talking in code, right? This isn't like hours will seem like days. It's, I don't think so. Yeah, because she did, David did say it might destroy itself in days or hours. He didn't. He wasn't right. sure. So now she's, yes. she's committed to the hours part. Right. Um, all right. Well, let's yeah, go. I, would, I, would assume, I would assume she figured it out logically. She is savic. Right. <laughs> um, so this one's always bugged me, this line of Chekhov's at the very beginning. Go back to the beginning. Yes. Scouts, uh, Chekhov says for an instant he thought he saw a scout-class vessel. And Kirk says, could be Grissom. So what? <laughs> <laughs> so I would, have assumed, yeah. I would have assumed Chekhov was referring to a, a Klingon scout-class vessel. And Kirk's is saying he's thinking... A Federation scout class vessel? I didn't realize classes uh, applied equally across different uh, you know, uh, races. Is yeah, it, I don't... Am I overthinking <laughs> it? I, I didn't... Yeah, the line I feel like is, is a little weird. Um, because, for one thing, Grissom is a science vessel. Mm -hmm. It is distinguished as being a science vessel. If all, all the stuff you look up, Memory Alpha... It is a science vessel. I don't think you can confuse a scout-class vessel with a science vessel. They know that the Grissom's out there. They've been trying to contact the Grissom. They have to know that it's a science vessel. So this, for me, is completely weird for him to say a scout vessel and Kirk going, oh, it could be Grissom. Like, no. Some of them, one of them has to speak up and go, no, it can't be Grissom. I would think too, like if you briefly saw something and what you briefly saw was uh, a bird of prey. I mean, so is a scout class vessel the same as a bird of prey or, you know, I would have thought he would have said that. I thought I saw a Klingon bird of prey. Yeah, exactly. I think he's I, trying to give the, uh, that he really doesn't know, but if it was a Klingon, maybe he just, what he saw was a, he should have just said, for an instance, I saw a vessel. Yeah, or maybe should he said small vessel? Maybe that's what yeah. he meant, small? So, I have a theory about that. Please, okay. yeah. Um, well, and then I have a problem, and it's kind of related to the problem that you guys are bringing up. <laughs> uh, one is that, you know, I mean, we all know the Enterprise has been pretty damaged. 
that there is a lot of automation. You know, maybe the sensors just aren't working very well. Maybe, you know, uh, what they're seeing, uh, what Chekhov saw, you know, uh, kind of like like a primitive radar system versus something more advanced. You know, maybe he sees like a blob, uh, you know, versus something more specific. Yep. And so he just kind of puts a label on it. So that's maybe how you would explain it. I, I, I kind of agree with you guys, though, that it's it's. It is a weird line, uh, but what gets me as being weirder is when Kirk says it could be Grissom, and then he says patch inhaling frequencies, right? Um, so if it could be Grissom, that also implies that it could not be Grissom. And didn't hmm. Kirk get caught with his pants down in, I don't know, the previous movie? Sure. Yes. And it do. seems to me he, he's getting caught with his pants down again because he doesn't do anything. Like, put up deflector shields, do something. Right. You know, if you don't know what something is. Yep. He's, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's, hasn't learned, hasn't learned his lesson. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, one thing I liked about this moment, because uh, the dialogue we don't, I don't, I'm not caring for, but the music that's going on in the background right now is good. They, the, the musical segments over these minutes have shifted quite a bit. Boom, boom, boom. And now I think we're, uh, the background of this this moment here on the bridge, I think, is the same music they used during the um, right after Khan attacked and uh, Kirk and Spock were looking at the battle damage on the displays of what happened to the Enterprise, and there was just this right. this, this sequence playing. It's the same kind of sequence, which is a great you know uh, lead up to danger. Um, so I enjoyed that. I ended up focusing on that most of the time. Yeah, I think it's a it is a definitely a good use of kind of building up the scene for, uh, and we don't want to get it, obviously don't want to get ahead for uh, minutes that are coming up, but it is building up, you know, towards something. So they do do a nice job with that. So now, now we cut down to the, back down to Genesis, Spock and Savick hand in hand, and uh, yeah. I'm assuming that's not cigarette smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Well, they're both they're both sleeping, they're both resting, and they are fully clothed. So we know that Ponfar is now definitely over. But again, all that ambiguity, ambiguity, you know, maybe all they did was the hand touching. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Although I do like the uh, like the in the background, you've got the. Instead of having the raging fire, you've got the smoldering fire. It's a great mm. little metaphor. Oh, nice. And what's uh, how Savick is pretty relaxed. I mean, this is the second time now, right, Dave? This is the second time she's been sleeping. Yeah, she's yeah been resting by the tree. Which again, I, I feel like things are not in order. Like I feel like that scene that they plugged in where she's resting by the by the tree was used for a was a was a cut scene whether they it was an alternate shooting of this scene or another scene or something i just feel like that scene right there is completely wrong yeah and i can't i've been trying to figure out if it's the same if the tree we if she's leaning on the no she can't be leaning on the same tree because that tree yeah. uprooted so it's a different tree right so yeah i just feel like it's really that scene post or pre Ponfar is really weird. Um, we've been. Uh, I had. I just had to uh, just call it out, and I've been stupidly watching the the, the bag that 
that Savick carried down to the planet with her. Um, yep. It's still in the shot when the uh, uh, Spock and Savick get yanked up off the ground. It's still in the background there, and it actually is labeled to the USS Grissom on it. It is, yes. Yep. Um, so, so Krug and the goons have found the, the camp. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, actually, I have a problem with this scene. I've kind of watched it, obviously, a couple of times. Um, and here's my here's my issue, and maybe you guys can help me out with this. Don't Vulcans have better hearing than most? <laughs> <laughs> I would think so, but um, I think we're, this would be a, <laughs> a cross. <laughs> I almost feel like this is like we're now crossing that... Uh, like Chris has been doing that movie landscape where we're combining Lord of the Rings lore with uh, Star Trek lore. <laughs> Maybe they're not elves. But, here, <laughs> but here's my here's my issue too. It's it, so you know I, I don't think of Klingons as being ninja-like. Um, uh, so no. I would have I would have thought even without better hearing that one of the two of them would have heard them approaching, and then would they in the next part where they're kind of taking him to Krug. There's literally like maybe five steps away from where David is and where Krug are. And doesn't David, you know, I don't know, yell out, hey, the Klingons are coming. Run. Yeah. I, I would figure because he's obviously, you know, if we scan forward, he's awake. He's there. He's not bound or gagged. I feel like, yeah, he would have purposely made noise. You know, hey, I don't. What are you guys doing? Stop roughing me up. You know, at least give them a chance to prepare. Yeah. Bad move by David. Another and a long string of bad moves. Well, I, I'm my theory <clears throat> is <clears throat> post pond far, it's a deep sleep, and so they didn't hear them coming. How yeah, but that? even so, I mean, well, maybe. Because she wakes up pretty quick as soon as he grabs her. Well, sure. She got grabbed. I, well, I feel it. Sh sure, but if you're in a deep sleep, even if someone wakes you up, you're still groggy. You're still, you know, what? What's going on? Oh, right. She's like, she's, she's like immediately like eyes are bugging and she looks at Spock and is like, Spock. Yep. So while I want to agree with you, Chris, in that I think it's a deep sleep, deep sleep, which I think it may be, um, because obviously the like John said, the Klingons are going to come clomping through the uh, the forest here. Um, I find it odd that David would have done nothing to alert them in any way. Does Does Spock know his name? Um. I would have to think that they've been calling him Spock in between moments as they're walking around. Um, I would be, I would find it to be completely unusual for them to not even talk to him and not even, you know, cause I have to feel like there's some sort of communication between them. You know, your name is Spock, you know, you're my, you're my mentor and you know, you're not a child. I, I would have to think there had to be some sort of engagement with them, with him. Or they're treating him like a puppy and just seeing his name over and over again until he is Spock, 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 Spock. <laughs> it may also just be a reflex because, you know, even if, let's assume maybe for a second that Spock mm. doesn't know he's Spock, 
they know he's Spock. Right. So they're going to continually refer to him that way. Yeah, I know what you mean, John. And I've actually wondered that a little bit. You know, even though they all know it's Spock, it certainly doesn't look like him. You know? Right. Right. It would be like me meeting a stranger and be like, "Oh yeah, this is your friend Dave." You know, like, "What? That's not Dave." You know, I'd be constantly like, D- "Dave." <laughs> I'd be saying Spock question mark all the time. Spock? Really? Kind of. Well, it's probably better than referring to him as, hey, you. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Vulcan boy. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, So we get some Klingonies here, Dave. We do. Uh, So the sergeant comes up, grabs her, you know, grabs her coat. Yay. Which is get up. And then he follows up with pay you or pay you. Which is get up all of you. Ah. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So the goons grab grab them and they walk over. Do you think there's no interaction between Savick and David either? Like, wouldn't she have at least been like, I would have been like, David? Like, you got captured? Where's my phaser? You know, I, there's no nothing. Um, you know, David tries to comfort Spock, you can sort of see him put his arm on him, but I, I get that there's no nothing between David and uh, and Savick. Yeah, that does seem odd. She she, she very least should throw him a look like, nice going. Yeah, nice, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's nothing. Well, maybe maybe just because Savick holds David in you know so much contempt, especially over the proto matter deal. Yeah, maybe she expected this. Well, if she. Okay, so if she had expected it, then she probably should have found a better place to hide. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I know David's going to screw up, so I better find a cave or something. Does um, I I can't remember. Does David? This is probably more for you. Uh, you know, we do see David, you know, put his arm on Spock and everything. When yeah. David when David left, um, to go. You know, he was, it was Spock out. 2. It was Spock number 2, right? So, so, yes. this is, so Spock number 3 now would look totally different. Yes. So do you think he's like, oh, look at you now, all grown up. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think that's what's going through their mind right now. <laughs> no. We're all going to die. <laughs> I feel that's what I'd Sp- be thinking. Yeah, I feel for Spock, though. I mean, he has no idea, right? He has no idea what's going on in general. Right, uh, and now now there's these aliens that are just grabbing him and you know by the shirt and yanking him around and throwing him around, and yeah, he's definitely uh, he looks angry through that sequence where they're dragging him out of the wherever they are, the cave or the tree. Oh yeah. Um, so I think that's that, that's just interesting that he's not actually. So does Savick. She looks pretty cranky. Mm. Um, there's a they're not really their logical selves in that moment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I could kind of see that. I mean, it's, you know, after, you know, what had happened in minute 59 with Pond Far, you think they'd want to be relaxing a little bit and kind of get interrupted. <laughs> so I'd be a little cranky about that, too. Vulcan or not, you'd be cranky. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think of Krug's line here? It is it is actually one of uh, it's actually my second favorite line in the whole movie. Whoa. Okay. Really? Wow. Because it's just so, uh, it's just so contemptual. Um, you know, it comes from the power of Genesis, and what do I find? A, 
a weakling human, a Vulcan boy, and a woman. <laughs> just like just dripping with just like disgust. <laughs> well delivered by Christopher Lloyd, I might add. It's it's so well it's so well delivered. It's such it's so Christopher Lloyd. Um, I, I I just love the I love the I don't know the cadence of it, and mm. uh, and he does he has mm. a great voice. He just has a cool voice, right? And it's just this is a I don't know maybe he doesn't. It's also pretty pretty a long statement for him to make. I feel like he's usually talking in shorter phrases and sentences, so it's kind of you get a he's doing a lot of talking here. I think right, yeah. Um, so it is it is a fun line in, in that in that sense. Mm. Well, John, I got to ask you then. So, what's your favorite line in the movie? Uh, well, it's well actually, Matt, it's it's kind of tied. My number one is. Um, uh, so, uh, the number one is uh, it actually comes in a uh, minute that's going to be kind of down the road. Okay. Um, so I don't want to give too much away, uh, but it involves uh, when the crew are on the planet watching something happening. Oh, okay. Um, I just love that line, um, and I like the the line again a little bit further down the road. Uh, we kind of get toward the end of the film. Uh, again, with the crew and a certain Vulcan science officer of our acquaintance. <laughs> yep, you're doing very you're you're doing very well sticking to the minute by minute format. So, kudos to you. Yeah. Thanks. We don't we don't you know. we don't always do it either. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough. It is tough because you want to reference minutes like that are further down the road, but you know you really can't because that would be a spoiler for people who are hearing this for the first time. For the very first time, Dave is nearly there because Dave hasn't watched the film in quite a while, so he's just he's just watching it in these one minute yeah, chunks. So yeah, so I'm watching, yeah, a minute at a time. So I some things I don't remember have happened, and I was like, oh wow, that's that was a great, you know, that was a great little thing that I don't remember that ever happening. Do we feel bad for Krug at all that he's come a long way, and he's only finding these three people? I don't. I don't <laughs> feel bad at all. Not even remotely. Not even. Not yeah. even. Not even a stitch. Nope. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and I also feel like this would be me, but if I were Savic or David, uh, well, maybe not Spock, but after he kind of says that little line, I'd be going, ha! Yeah. <laughs> Sucker! <laughs> uh, I guess Savic is probably, I mean, she gets right to the point, right? Just, you know, my yeah. lord, we're survivors of a doomed expedition. Um, which... Uh, in a way, to me, it's it's almost like a poetic line. It's almost like there were nine of them, and they were they had a ring. <laughs> Man, <laughs> the Fellowship of Genesis. <laughs> uh, and then the planet will destroy itself in hours. Yep. Yeah, just just the facts. I gotta say, and I and I know I said it once already this this minute, and I'm gonna just say it again. I'm really disappointed in David. I I really am. I thought he turned a corner. I really, you know, he reconciles with his dad at the end of the last movie, and you know he's on top of the world because Genesis had worked, and you know, and then come to this movie, he we just realize what a awful person he is for you know falsifying all of his data and now it comes down to the, the captured and he just looks like he is just he's so defeated and he just looks worthless there 
So you're- yeah, he is, he, he is kind of very mopey in that in that shot when uh, Savic is basically telling Krug that it's a it's a doomed planet. Yeah. Kind of feel bad for him, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel bad for him too because you know, you know, here here is Savic rubbing it in essentially, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. He is. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I can. I'm on the planet. I know it's doomed. You know, now I need you. You don't need it. He's like, oh, do you have to tell them that? You know. Um, so, I guess Dave, I'm disappointed in David to some extent, but I feel bad for David mostly. Yeah, I guess I, I, I do, and I know what's to come, and I know I, I know there's other things. I think I'm just probably feeling how Savic must feel right now is that I'm disappointed in you and that I've you know, you're you're better than this. It's almost worse. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's almost yeah, exactly. Do you think David had uh so we obviously we don't get to see the moment where David encounters the Klingons. Do you think there was any kind of, uh, did he get any, any hits in, or do you think they just took him out? I, I think he was, he picked a bad, bad spot to hide, and they just, obviously he's got a bruise on his face, so they, they clubbed him, you know, uh, they didn't want to kill him. Uh, they wanted, he, you know, Krug had said all along he wanted prisoners, so right. what a better, so here's a, here's a more interesting question for you, Chris. Do you think he gave them up? And that's how they found him. Oh. Do you uh, think Krug, Krug, you know, they they found him, they got his phaser away from him, and then they asked him, like, where's the rest of your, your, your party? He said, you know, do you think he stood up and said, I, I'm not going to tell you? And then he took one swing to the face and then was like, ah, oh, they're over there. Yeah. You know what? I, w- I was going to say, I think that's where the bruise came from. I think, I think he, I think he would have stood up. So he put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, you got to come on. He, you got to give him that, right? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that's why I'm asking. I, I think that's what happened too. I think he, he obviously defended them to a certain degree because he, do, you see the, the, the evidence of that. Right. But no, I think then, yeah, they, they slugged him, and he's like, all right, follow me. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it gets me to thinking about that line from Star Trek Two where. Uh, Carol is talking about, you know, you're so much like him in so many ways. So I got to think that, you know, I, I, you know, I hope that some of that Kirk, I'm going to punch you in the face DNA uh, transfer to David. <laughs> I like that. Punch you in the face DNA. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a te- it's a highly technical term. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that takes us to the end of the minute. Any any final thoughts? Um, no, I think I got I think I got everything out that I wanted to, particularly about David. I think I think it's been weighing on me a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's it's interesting because I you know I, I do I know I like I was thinking about like this like look of contempt that he has on his face, but uh, but now I kind of feel more bad for him than I had previously. Yeah, now that now that we're sort of talking about it, we're getting it out. It's like our little Star Trek therapy session for David. Uh, yeah, I do. I I do feel a little. I do feel a little bad for him. Yeah, I mean, he tried. I, I guess in the end, he does try. Um, he does. I'll give him that. That he does try. All right. Well, John, uh, we like to ask all of our new guests um, if they would like to rank their the Star Trek films. 
and uh, you know obviously there's 13 of them out there. You don't have to do all 13 if you just want to do the the originals. Um, but do you want to uh, do you want to share with you share with us your rankings? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, hmm. Because I think you have to put them into different categories. So I like I think there's only one good next generation movie. Um, but I would say two. Uh, that's always been my favorite. I'm definitely a two, four, six, mm-hmm. uh, three, one, five, three, one, five. Uh, okay. Yeah. Voyage we- Home's at the bottom. Sure. All right. Uh, not Voyage Home. Uh, Final Frontier. Yeah. Star Trek, Star Trek five. Um, and then I would say, yeah, I think first contact is the only, uh, next gen, uh, film that I liked, um, you know, the rest of them, I, I like, I can watch first contact like a dozen times and I, I, I still enjoy it. Like most of the other movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'd say in the reboots, the JJ Abrams first, so to speak, mm-hmm. I'd have to go, uh, well, I think the first one would be my number one there and then probably Star Trek beyond and then into darkness. Yeah, I think I could get behind that. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Cool. Well, awesome. All right. Well, John, you know, thank you very much for joining us this week and uh, sharing a little bit of the uh, kind of some of the modeling lingo. I did some. I learned some stuff this week, so I appreciate that, and uh, loved having you on. I love being on. Thanks, brother. Yeah, fan- Thanks for yeah, the chance. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, then, why don't we? Uh, why don't we wrap it up and uh, go enjoy our weekend? Um, folks, if you want to head out to uh, the Star Trek Minute Listener Federation on Facebook, if you haven't already, sign up and you can uh, join the conversation. We'll uh, you see some of the uh, models that John has made. We've posted some pictures there. And uh, we've got the, uh, the Pond Far documentary will be out there. And uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, head on out. And we're going to be back again on Monday talking about Minute 63 of The Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye now. See ya.